Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Hey Amen. Hey, if you're taking notes today, this message is entitled, Worth Repeating. Worth Repeating. There are some things worth repeating. There are some things that, that really deserve to be uh, turned back around and come on back around to the same point again because it's so good and it's so worth repeating. It's like holidays that take place on a yearly basis. They were so good they're worth repeating. You put it on a calendar because your birthday needs to be remembered and recorded. It's worth repeating. There are things that happen on a daily basis that are so good they're worth repeating like coffee. Come on. It is worth repeating. It was good yesterday and it's going to be good today and it's going to be good tomorrow. It's worth repeating. There are things that that we experience and say to one another that are worth repeating. If there's someone in your life that you love, don't tell them just once and say that should do for now. It's worth repeating. It's worth continuing and prolonging that. My son Titus, he's got to be the most grateful guy I've ever met. And uh, and there's something about the intonation in the way that that he says thank you. I don't know if you've ever like interacted with Titus. You've probably heard him say thank you. He goes, oh, thank you. And it's like it's the first time he's ever expressed it. And I took him on a trip the other week, and, and we were visiting different friends. And uh, as we, he was interacting with people, adults are looking at like, is this guy for real? Like, is he faking it right now? He's like, oh, thank you. Oh, Subway sandwich. Wow, thank you. Water. I love water. Thank you. He's so grateful. I want to grow in gratitude. I want to grow in, in, in thankfulness. How about you? You know, Thanksgiving cannot be uh, experienced quietly. Thanksgiving cannot be experienced in private because Thanksgiving is to give expression to your gratitude. I mean, you can feel grateful and and do nothing with it and you have not yet experienced Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is, by definition, that expression that is given to gratitude through words or deeds or actions or it's what we do with our gratitude that makes it thanksgiving and you know in the bible there's actually a a fair bit of repetition as well in the bible when things are are intended to be remembered they get repeated and when things get repeated i find myself pulling out a little highlighter and taking note of it it's like why would that be repeated that many times Like in times in scripture when it's continually repeated words like we and us, I start looking at that differently and I say this passage of scripture is actually not intended for me to be experienced by myself. This is a community thing. A passage of scripture like in Romans when it says that that nothing can separate us from the love of God and then you begin to read and it's like just know this in all things and at all times and in all circumstances, it's all, 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 all and I keep reading this word all and I realize God is trying to emphasize something and trying to make a point. And you know throughout scripture there are, are things that you might assume actually get repeated more than they do. Like like someone you might have thought that the the thought that cleanliness is next to godliness is in the Bible. It's not. It's not. Just like a loved one, a family member came up with it and thought it would be a good thing to pass down. I don't know if you've ever looked for something in scripture and found that it actually is not given as much weight as you might assume. Like mentioned just once in passing. 
But then there are things that get repeated over and over and over and over and over, and it must be that it is worth repeating. Like, it must be that God is trying to make a a specific point to us. Now, I would propose to you today that the things most important to God, listen, the thing that is most important to God is actually uh, issues of devotion. God cares desperately about our devotion. In fact, when asked this simple question, what is the most important commandment, Jesus said this. Here it is. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, be devoted to God with everything and be devoted to others with everything. God and people. Love for God, love for people. This is all the Bible summed up in there. Like this is what God is challenging us to and calling us to and pushing us towards and inspiring within us. And you can see the theme play throughout Scripture. But just because it's the most important does not mean it's the most repeated. Do you know the thing that is actually most repeated in Scripture is actually to do with our emotion. See, God cares about our devotion, but repeated over and over and over and over are statements said to our emotion. Statements like this. Praise the Lord. Statements like this, rejoice in the Lord. Statements like this, uh, be thankful. And statements like this, do not be afraid. Over and over and over and over. Do you know what do not be afraid is the most frequently repeated commandment in Scripture? Speaking to our emotion. Could it be possible that God just knows how fickle our emotions can be? Could it be possible that God knows how our emotions can, can, can change moment by moment? Could it be that, that God knows that even though we might be feeling it right now, we might not be feeling it tomorrow, and so he is continually speaking in to our emotional state? Could it be that God actually cares about our, demotion, our, our emotion, not just our devotion? Yesterday, I was in a coffee shop. I heard these two people speaking, and, and the one said to the other, I've begun working out. I'm like, oh, why are they? Why? Well, you know, it's good for me. It's good health. It's important. I want to be, I want to be you know, consistent. I want to be disciplined. And they were speaking to a, an issue of devotion. But then they said this, but the thing that really annoys me now, like it's really frustrating, is now I have to take showers. And it was so odd that it kind of, I just, I was like, whoa, sorry, what? Were you not showering before? I'm thinking like, that's crazy. But what they were saying is this, that the things I am devoted to actually cause me to respond with some emotion. Don't you think it's true for us as well? Like I am devoted and committed and I will put everything I have into living a life of boldness and courage. And because I am committed and devoted to living with courage, I often have to deal with fear. If I wasn't devoted to courage, it would just be a passing emotion, but I have to deal with fear because of the devotion I have to live in courage. Do you follow what I'm saying? Like I am devoted. I am committed. I, like I am all about living in forgiveness and, and conquering issues of bitterness and living with an open heart towards all people. And because of that, I have this emotion to deal with that I can be hurt. I can be disappointed. I can be let down. Uh, words can, can sting. And I find myself having to, to deal with the emotion because of the devotion. Are you following with me? If we're going to be people who follow that devotion that God calls us to, to love God and love people, then we're certainly going to have to deal with emotions as well. 
And so continually God is speaking to emotion. And I want you to live a life of rejoicing. Praise the Lord. Like in, in, in Psalm chapter 100, it says this. My Bible's actually in my bag over there. I'll read this off my phone. Psalm chapter 100. Check this out. Psalm 100. And uh, if you have a Bible with you, uh, either a paper version or a digital version, check this out. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all you earth, Wor- all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. Know that the Lord is God and he who made you, he, uh, you are his. And you are the people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Here God is saying this, if you're really going to be thankful, if you're really going to live in thanksgiving, where thanks is going to flow from your life and be expressed, then the result is going to be rejoicing. The result is going to be joyful. The result is going to be glad. The result is going to be happy. Let me show you in the Bible when it says this word that we translate as rejoicing. There are a number of different words that, uh, that get translated that way. I'm going to put some of them up on the screen. First one here in the Hebrew language, this word that gets called rejoicing or translated as rejoicing. If we could pull that one up on the screen, that would be amazing. It's this word samach. Samach, which means this, to be glad and joyful. There's another word, sus, which means to display joy. In other words, if you are rejoicing, you have to, it has to be on display. You can't be like silently rejoicing. You can't be internally rejoicing. It's like, you know, you're, if you're a sports fan and your team is winning and you really care about that team, you're not just going like, yep, mm-hmm. like it's, it's it got to be displayed. There's this other word, a Hebrew word, gel, which means to be glad. And then another one, alaz, which means to jump for joy in triumph. When God calls us to rejoice, it is not just uh, standing up at the table at your Thanksgiving dinner and saying, oh, I'm thankful for, uh," while you think of like turkey and cranberry sauce and stuffing, you're like, what can I say to just get through this? Uh, Like freedom and people. Let's eat. You know, someone you're going to be tempted to stand up and look around like, like you're playing I spy with my little eye, something that is turkey. Thankful for that, turkey. And that, that'll be like the sum total of your gratitude. But here God is saying this, rejoicing in the Lord is to jump for joy and triumph because you are victorious. It is this overflow. It is emotional by very nature. It is infused with energy to rejoice in the Lord. Always repeat it over and over and over and over. And you're thinking, well, doesn't God just want my devotion? Be a good person. Be holy. Don't sin. Do the right things. No, God is speaking to the whole part of who you are. Completely holistic. He's not looking for performance. He's not looking to change behavior. He's looking to change our very being. So that's Old Testament words. Let me show you some New Testament words. This first one, agalio, which means to jump for joy. There's another one, euphrano, which means to be delighted with a thing. That's like the greatest, most wooden definition ever, to be delighted with a thing. Think about what was the last thing you were delighted with? Like an experience or a meal or a new toy or or some words spoken to you. And because of them, you're like, that's awesome. When you're delighted with a thing, it's great. 
And, and here the Bible is saying this, to when you rejoice in the Lord always, I am delighted with this thing. I'm all about this thing. This is unbelievable. I am filled with joy. The Lord has done great things for us, and we're filled to the top with joy. That's what rejoicing looks like and feels like to be delighted with a thing. Look at this next one. Uh, Kachima, which means uh, the matter or the ground of glorifying or boasting. In other words, I'm standing right now on a platform that elevates me only a few inches off the floor here. But I am standing on something worth glorying in and worth worth boasting in. That's what I rejoice in. That's what I rejoice upon. And the Bible says this in the book of Jeremiah. Don't let rich people rejoice because they're rich. Like riches come and go. Don't let wise people rejoice because they just know details. Do you know there are details that were learned? I remember my, my, we used to have a set of encyclopedias in my house, and there's stuff that was in the encyclopedias that has since been proven false, right? Hence, hence Wikipedia, where everyone's just speaking in. Don't let the strong boast that they're strong, because there'll always be someone who's stronger, and strength will fade. It says this, but let them boast that could say this, I know and I understand God. The Bible is saying this, for us to live in rejoicing, to live a life of joy overflowing with rejoicing, a life of thanksgiving where it's not just experienced internally, cognitively, I've got a lot to be thankful for, but it's expressed and it's actually displayed. That is the foundation that we stand upon and say, I got something worth boasting about. His name is Jesus. I'm in relationship with him. This last one for is this word Cairo. Cairo means this, to be glad and to rejoice exceedingly, to thrive. And this one comes from a root word, which means to be calmly happy. Come on, think about that for a minute. If you could, just meditate with me for a moment. What is it like to be calmly happy? Now show me on your face what that looks like. For some, I can tell this is a normal state for you. For others, you're like, oh, I'm cramping already. (laughs) One second of smiling. It's just a natural. Listen, to be calmly happy. Man, when I'm calmly happy, it it changes the muscular structure of my face. When I'm calmly happy, my shoulders relax. I feel like I can breathe deeper. When I'm calmly happy, I see the world around me differently. And when the Apostle Paul says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, hey, before the sentence ends, let me just say it again. Rejoice. He's speaking of this, Cairo. Be calmly happy always. Let me tell you again, be calmly happy. You will thrive. You're like, well, it's easy for Paul to say he was probably sitting on a beach somewhere drinking a drink that had a little umbrella in it, you know, taking pictures of his feet as the, as the water kind of lapped up against him with palm trees in the background. That was probably where Paul was at. Nope. Nope. In fact, when he wrote the book of Philippians that says the word rejoice 16 times in just four chapters, why? Because it's worth repeating. He was imprisoned for crimes he didn't commit, chained hand in hand with the emperor's guard, who on a regular would change shifts and they would come and chain themselves to each one of his hands. Imagine him like, hey, Steve, need you to move your hand, man, because I'm writing a letter right now to some friends in Philippi. Oh, what are you writing? Well, I'm writing about the importance of rejoicing always. No, that's not what you're writing. Yeah, I'll say it again. Rejoice. 
Like, like, imagine being that guard chained up to someone who had every reason to not be joyful and watching joy flow out of his life. It's the very reason why Paul could say this, guys, I'm rejoicing about my chains because they are serving a purpose in extending the gospel and pushing it forward. He literally had a captive audience every eight hours when a new set of guards came and chained themselves to him. He had a group of people, hey, my name's Paul. Well, what do you think about Jesus? (laughs) It's going to be a long shift. I'm going to share some things with you. This is what it is to live in rejoicing. To say I can see past and through circumstances because God is with me and God is for me. I hope this Thanksgiving you don't have to strain to come up with a list of things that sound kind of inspiring to be grateful for. But I hope that you and I can get a perspective of the kindness and goodness of God that will lead us to a life of rejoicing. That rejoicing would be our tone of voice. That rejoicing would not only be our message, but the medium in which we express that message. You know, I, I really believe this, that, that you and I ought to be happier. I think for too long we, we've separated joy and happiness, and I know why. Like, I get why, okay? I, I know why, as a, a pastor, I have stood up here and said, joy is not the same as happiness, because happiness is linked to what is happening in your life. And when certain things are happening in your life, it's hard to be happy. But joy is the presence of God in your life. I get that. But if you're really living a life of joy, like, you should be happy sometimes. If it's been weeks since you felt happiness, I would question how much joy there is in your life. I'm not saying you won't feel the emotions associated with things not happening the way you want them, but joy and happiness aren't so far apart on the spectrum that to have one means you'll never experience the other. In fact, a life of joy is generally associated often with happiness. It's the very reason why when Jesus uses the word blessed, like he says, blessed are those who are persecuted and blessed are the pure of heart. He uses a Greek word makarios, which means to be made happy. Jesus is saying this, that his call for you and I is actually that the emotional part of our life would be thriving, that the emotional part of our life would be calmly happy, that the emotional part of our life often would find ourselves going like, whoo, I just kind of got to jump with joy. There's some triumph in my life. I'm experiencing victory. So let me very quickly touch on a few things about rejoicing. You know, really quickly, the who, what, where, when, why, and how of rejoicing. I got a verse for each, and we're going to just look at this. Like, I I don't want this just to be uh, something that 365 days from now when it's Thanksgiving again, but it's actually a leap year, so it's going to be 366 days away. That we're like, oh yeah, I should be grateful. But that rejoicing would become our tone of voice. So first question to ask is, is who should rejoice? Like who, who's the person that ought to rejoice? Check out what scripture says here. Pull up the next scripture on the screen, please. It says this in the book of Psalm chapter 68 and verse 3. But may the righteous rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. May the righteous rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Like, oh, that makes sense. Righteous people are the ones who rejoice. People who are stronger than I am, people who are holier than I am, people who aren't living in as much brokenness 
as I am? Well, not exactly. In fact, the Bible would teach this, that if anybody asks the Lord for help, they're saved. And what takes place is an incredible exchange where Jesus becomes the curse of our sin and we become the very substance of his righteousness. Let me say it in a different way. The Bible puts it this way, that while we were enemies of God because of his love for us, Jesus took on all of our sin and punishment that anyone who would ask for help He says, you can now become my righteousness. And before God, you and I are the righteousness of Christ. We're not righteous just when we do the right thing. We're righteous because of who Jesus is. We're not righteous just when we try hard. We're righteous because uh, of, of the security that we have in our salvation, the grace that is sufficient for us. Even in our weakness, his grace is doing a great work. So when this word says this, let the righteous rejoice, it's speaking to you and I. To anyone who's asked the Lord for help, anybody who has repented of their sin and received his salvation, you're now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so it's fitting for you to rejoice. You look through the Psalms, it says that type of word over and over. It's just the right thing. Like rejoicing just suits you. you you're tailor-made for it. The life of rejoicing, who, who are you? You're righteous, ergo, rejoicing should be your tone. You know, sometimes I think we look at others who are happy, and we think they must be happy because their life is better. Have you ever been there? All right, me and three, and the rest are thinking about turkey. Come on. Thank you, Ray, for being honest. Come on. We look at others that are happy. We're like, I wonder why they're happy. They must be happy because of a circumstance that they have that I don't have. The truth is it might just be this very simple thing, that they've come to a revelation. They know who they are. They know who they are in God. They know who they are, and because they know who they are, like, oh, I can get through some stuff. I can walk through, through some things because, because even when I'm rejected by people, I know God never rejects me. He, even when I, when I fall down, you know the Bible says this, righteous men fall down seven times and they get up eight. The rap world has tried to, to say that that was their line. That's out of the Bible. Fall down seven times, get up eight. In fact, it says that like righteous people fall down seven times. Falling doesn't preclude you from being righteous. Just because you fall doesn't mean you're not righteous. Righteousness is about getting back up because you know who you are. Righteousness is about getting back up because you know that you're a son or you're a daughter of God. You might be here today and you say, I've never experienced that kind of grace in my life before. Well, before you leave today, we're going to make sure you have a chance to do that, to meet Jesus for who he is. He's desperately in love with you. Wants to exchange his righteousness for your brokenness. So who, who rejoices? The righteous. The righteous. And what is the the substance of our rejoicing? Let me show you this. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says this. I've already quoted it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Someone's going, hey, pastor, you just answered the what question with a when answer. Because I look at this verse. I don't know about you. I see rejoice in the Lord always. And again, say rejoice. It seems to be about timing. It seems to be about persistence. It seems to be about like an incessantness, like rejoice. And then if you forgot it, rejoice. And then if you forget it, rejoice. And I think it's about that. But check, check these words here. Rejoice in the Lord. What is the substance of our joy? It's that we're in the Lord. What's the foundation or the, or the platform that we stand upon? It's not that things are good. It's that we're in the Lord. It's not that we've arrived. It's that we're in the Lord. It's not that, that we don't struggle. It's that we're in the Lord. How do we rejoice or what is the substance of our rejoicing? That we're in the Lord. 
So I'm not saying this, if you're going to be a person who's filled to the top with joy, you just got to choose to look at everything and say, well, that's awesome, because some things aren't awesome. Well, that's great. No, some things aren't great. But whatever you're in, you can know this. First and foremost, you're in the Lord. You go, man, I'm in a tough situation right now. But you know what? In the middle of that situation, you're in the Lord. Man, I'm in a really painful season right now. But in that painful season, where can we find you? In the Lord. You're still in the Lord. You're in relationship with him. So it's righteousness is who you are. And the substance of your rejoicing then becomes this very thing. I'm in the Lord. I'm in relationship with, with God. So I'm not rejoicing about things. Have you ever been around a person that, that, that's like trying to fake it till they make it? You got that friend? Are you ever that friend? Just trying to fake it till you make it like you're completely lost, pretending you know which direction you're going and just hoping like, oh man, I hope Google Map did not let me down. Have you ever been there? This is not a fake it till you make it type thing. This is, this is not just like choosing and gritting your teeth. Like when you were a kid, did you ever get a gift you didn't want? Anybody? Like at Christmas comes and you've got this, this great idea of what you might be experiencing and instead you get tube socks? Right? Like you open up your stocking and at the bottom is just a handful of peanuts. You're like, I, I got to shell my own peanut. What is this? And then, and then your parent comes behind you and they, they squeeze that little muscle between your neck and your shoulder. You know that one right there? They just give you a little squeeze and like, say thank you. Say thank you. And so like through kind of misty-eyed tears, you just choose to stare at the ground and say, thank you for these socks. Like that's not what rejoicing is. That's not what rejoicing is. Like I, I, I'm not even really grateful for the socks. You can keep your tube socks. I'm not going to rejoice just when things aren't going my way because it's the thing I'm supposed to do. I'm going to rejoice in the midst of it in this fact that I'm in the Lord. That's the substance of my rejoicing. That's the substance of my joy. So who? The righteous. What? In the Lord. Number three, when? When? Well, look what 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says. Rejoice always. Can someone say always? Come on, can we all say always? It says rejoice always. Rejoice always. When? Always. But what? It, always. Yeah, but I, no, always. Rejoice always. Always. Now, I used to read this as a teaching that I had to deny my emotions. That's not what the Bible's saying. The Bible's not telling you to not feel. The Bible's not saying don't be sad ever. Because we know in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says there's time for everything. Laughter and weeping. Joy and sorrow. Like there's time to really feel some things. This is not a denial of emotion. This is just a conclusion that I know which emotion I'm going to end with. I'm going to feel all the things right now, but I know where I'm going to end. I'm going to turn to the person beside you and say all the feels. Come on, turn to the person on the other side and really punch the all. All the feels. Like, look, I'm an emotional person. I'm going to feel all the feels. All the feels. But I have this conclusion already predetermined in my mind. When when the end of the day comes, I'm going to result in this to rejoice always. I'm going to feel some sadness, but I'm going to rejoice always. I'm going to feel some heartache, but I will rejoice always. I'm going to feel disappointed. I'm not going to pretend away my disappointment and say, well, I didn't want things to go well anyway. No, no, no. I'm going to feel those things, but I'm going to conclude to end with this, to rejoice 
Always. Can I challenge you in this? Like, like I don't, I don't want us to be a weird type of Christian where we just like, like, like we've had to stifle every emotion. We feel no thing, like feel no, no pain. We're just calloused in the way we do life because God is good. We're gritting our teeth and just trying to push through. No, no, no. Feel all the feels, but come to this conclusion. At the end of the day, I'm going to rejoice always. At the end of the day, I'm going to result and resolve in joy. I'm going to find this as my conclusion. I'm going to go one step further and challenge you in this. Look at what the Bible says in the book of Psalm 118 and verse 24. It says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In it. In the span of time that is today, let's result in joy. Feel all the feeling you're going to feel today, but don't let the day pass you by without resulting in joy. Tomorrow you might wake up and have to face some things that are disappointing, painful, discouraging, uh, any of those things, but, but don't let your day end and say, another day, just been a bad year. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't paint your year that way. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice in it. Before this day is done, I've got to resolve and joy. I've got to get around some people who are going to help me. I've got to get in the Word if it's going to point me there. I might need to get some worship in my life, but I'm going to resolve before this day is done to find some joy in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my grief, in the midst of my disappointment, and in the midst of my sorrow. I remember being through a season where everything felt painful. Been there? Everything. And because everything felt painful, everything caused pain. And things from one kind of category in my life seemed to be affecting other categories. You've been there, disappointed in one, one end of your life, and then things happening in other ends feel like they're all just mixed up. Man. And I would get around people. I, I would I'd spend time with Jennifer. We'd talk and, 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 and encourage one another, and I'd feel like, I can do this. I've got some joy. And then an hour would pass and I'd feel, feel some feelings again. You've been there? I'm not saying that this is a blanket response. Hey, just choose joy. But conclude with this. I'm going to find joy. I'm going to fight for joy. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to remove some things from my life if they're, if they're not helping. I'm going to include some things in my life that will help. I'm going to keep on fighting for it. Because, because a new day is going to come, and with a new day is going to be new grace. And so today's the day the Lord has made. I'm not going to let this day end. I'm going to feel all the feelings. It might be 23 hours and 58 minutes. But, but before the day's done, I'm going to result in this, that I have every reason to be joyful because I'm righteous, and I'm in the Lord. He's with me. He's for me. You following? You following? Okay. Go real quick here through the last few. Where do we wor- Rejoice. Where do we rejoice? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 7. It says this, There, in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and rejoice in everything you've put your hand to, because the Lord your God has blessed you. Where? Wherever you are. Like you don't have to wait till next Sunday to rejoice. You don't have to wait till you get into a conference to rejoice. If you're on your commute, you don't have to wait till you get home and get in the right environment, and get the right mood set and get the right music on and get the right, you know, like get, get all comfy and then get the, that certain song you got playing and then you get the, to that moment and you're kind of doing one of these where you're swaying back and forth to the music and then go, oh, I found it, that feeling, that feeling of joy. You can rejoice wherever you are because you are in the presence of God. See, this is speaking in Deuteronomy to a specific place, a place that God assigned. He said, wherever you are, you can find me here. My presence will be in this tabernacle. But the Bible says this, that when Jesus left, he said to his disciples, good news, guys, I'm leaving. 
Like, that's not good news. That's a bad prank. He's like, no, 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 no. It's good news because when I leave, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, meaning the Holy Spirit is everywhere. Wherever you go, I'm with you. And surely I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So wherever you are, that is the place where you're in the presence of God, the greatest place to rejoice. And then the Bible goes further and says this, wherever two or more are gathered, there I am amongst you. So even if you have a hard time believing that God's always with you, you can stop and as soon as you get with one other person, great time to, to have a praise break. A great time you get your one-on-one with somebody like, oh man, I just got to share some. Why? Because God's there. You're in the presence of God and you can rejoice in his presence. When you're brokenhearted, the Bible says God is near to the brokenhearted. So when it hurts like hell, you can conclude this, God is right here with me. He's never been closer than he is right now. I'm in the presence of God. I'm hurting so much. My heart is broken. That must mean God is near. And I can rejoice in his presence. He's with you. He's for you. Two more. Two more. How do we rejoice? Well, I think Pastor Jennifer said it well. Generosity and relationship and communication. and All these different things uh, are, are responses to rejoicing. Rejoicing isn't just an act, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a, a, a thing like we put one day on a calendar to commemorate it, but rejoicing really honestly is a lifestyle. That being said, the Bible seems to continually repeat this thought of singing. I think there's an, an advantage to us when we, when we sing. And I see someone like clamming up like, oh no, I was told I have a bad voice. Well, here's what God says about your singing. Here's what God says about your song. The book of Zephaniah chapter 3 says this. Sing, daughter of Zion. Shout aloud. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. Daughter Jerusalem. I love this, this choice to refer to us as daughters. It's like a daddy-daughter thing. There's this closeness, this intimacy being spoken from God to humanity and saying to humanity, I just want to hear what you sound like. You can sing it out. For some, you only sing when your karaoke tune comes up and your friends coax you to. For some, you only sing in the shower. You find yourself humming along. Today, we were on the sky train coming from New West. Just finished at New West location. And on our way back, there was a guy with his headphones on who was singing out like every third or fourth word of the song he was doing. And then he'd do the rhythm section. And then he would do like some scatting like. And then. Like, like for many, many stops. Got a little bit of it on film, not going to lie. <laughs> but here's what God's saying. He's like, I love, I love what you sound like. Why? Because out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. God wants what's in your heart to be expressed. And like, I'm not saying you and I all have to embrace singing as the only method in which we communicate with God. But he wants to hear what we have to say. There's something like unfettered and, and really pure and authentic about just Expressing what's in your heart through your mouth. So how do we rejoice? I think one of the keys for each one of us would be to, to develop a, a better worship life. To develop a life. Like for some, I know this. You were told you have a bad voice, so you avoid that first part of the service where songs are played. And when they're played, you kind of lip sync along and just mouth the words or say watermelon because it looks like every word 
Like watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. It's a little key for you. If you're ever in a choir and you don't know the words, just say watermelon. Everyone will think you're singing. <coughs> but there's some you, you avoid it when, when God wants to hear what you have to say. And then lastly, why do we, why do we rejoice? It also comes out as F and I, and I think it's just so critical for us to, to grasp this. As the band comes back, we're going to actually sing uh, a responsive song in worship. But check out what it says just a few verses later. God's saying, hey, I just want to hear what you have to say. Like with my daughter Gwyneth this morning as we were putting our shoes, shoes on, getting ready for church, she was putting Zion's shoes on, and she's got this little song she sings for him. And she starts singing it out, and he's laughing, and she's giggling, and, and I'm actually full of joy just hearing the expression coming out of the life of one that I love. But, but watch this. Now God says just a few verses later, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He takes delight in you. In his love, he'll no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Man, one of the reasons why I sing to God is God is singing over me. One of the reasons I'm so full of joy when I think about the presence of God is because God is full of joy when he thinks about me. That's what the Bible teaches that he's created us in his image and likeness out of kindness, designed us in such a way that there's purpose on our life and that purpose brings him pleasure. So when he thinks of your life and mine, he's like, oh, it's going to be so good. And God is excited and delighted and passionate about your life and my life. And when I, when I open my mouth to worship, I'm actually just joining God in the song he's already singing. I'm singing about his faithfulness. I'm singing about his love. Meanwhile, he's, he's going, oh, I love you. I'm always going to be faithful to you. And I'm like, your faithfulness stretches to the sky. And he's like, hey, look at my faithfulness. It's like this guy. Like, like I'm just joining God in song. He is delighted in me and is singing a song. I remember each one of my kids when, when, when they've been born and there's moments when they're crying and there's moments when they're distressed and there's moments when, when it, like, they're, they're, they just don't know what they're feeling. And I'll wrap them up in my arms and usually you'll find me singing something. I don't even know what I'm singing. It's just some stuff in my heart that's coming out. I'm trying to calm them and soothe them. And here's what the Bible says God is doing for us. He's rejoicing over us with song. Why do I rejoice in God? He started it. Why do I have so much joy in my relationship with God? Because he initiated it. I don't worship God to try to get his attention. I worship him because I already have all his attention. His eyes are on me. His heart is, is leaned towards me and soft towards me. Would you stand up on your feet where you are? We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.